and we're live. Hi, and welcome to Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and today I am here with flame artist and Instagram model, Shimmer the Flamboyant, who can be seen at the Urban Most Burlesque show on October 14th at 7 p.m. How you doing today, sexy? I am very grateful. Very grateful to be here. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to start this interview and send me your questions and I'm excited okay. to do this. Of course. There's actually something I haven't done until recently because the very first time I sent somebody my questions, they ended up like not doing the interview and I'm like I'm like, ooh. Actually I didn't even send it to them. I sent it to like their publicist and like their publicist like never got back to me and then all of a sudden the day of the interview they're just like oh i'm not doing interviews at this time i'm like what the fuck like why did you agree to this if you were doing interviews it makes like no sense to me it's like uh make it make sense kind of moment i mean i think interviews are quite challenging you know i think it like makes you have to like sit down with someone that like you have yet to really meet and then like just have this like level of vulnerability, you know, it's can be quite daunting. I mean, I think what you're doing is really great work, like yeah. to create a voice for people to like have people ask themselves these questions and like really navigate these, like their art better, their life better and also inspire other people around them. Exactly. That's so beautiful to put it. I think the reason that they didn't want to do is because they have never, at least from my knowledge, publicly come out, but they were doing things in like their music videos that hinted at them being like at least bisexual. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, why would you do this and not expect people to ask you about it? Like, yeah, I think. I think it's a very unique answer that only they probably have the answer for. Of course. So, so where are you originally from? Okay. Um, so I was born in um, Damuning, Guam. It is a small island off of Philippines. Um, it's a U.S. territory. Um, it's like about, I think, a one to ten mile radius and i was born there on november 24 1998 at 4 41 p.m <laughs> uh and my parents are from the philippines work so so being that obviously you moved to this country and having like mm -hmm immigrant parents like what was it like for you growing up as a kid i think growing up in san diego as an immigrant in this particular city is quite a privilege actually like growing up you were able to see people of all different types of like backgrounds ethnicities socioeconomic statuses and um just places in their life. Like, at least that's how it felt like for me growing up. Um, I grew up in Mira Mesa. It was redlined as like, um, as a mainly Asian 
um, American demographic. Um, so I had a lot of people that, you know, that were from the same place I was, but also they believed in the same religion that I, I grew up into. It was a really assimilated kind of um, culture. It felt really displaced because, you know, I am a gay person. I am a non-binary person. So it kind of felt like I have my my skin, my hair, my eyes, like my parents, my that we all blend in well, but internally things didn't feel like I fit in. Um, and it's something I like navigate still to this day. Yeah, but it's gotta be. I would say that's the benefit. Like you said, you grew up around people around you. That's probably like the benefit of being on the West Coast. Because I will say this. Florida, there are parts of Florida that are ethnically diverse. Mm -hmm. I am not in one of them. Like, so I actually left this area. I lived in Orlando. I grew up and, like, am now, like, kind of, I'm, like, an hour north of West Palm Beach, but it's, like, Ooh, I, I love that place. place. Yeah. Yeah. I moved to um, Orlando mm -hmm. for four years. Like, that was just. Well, um, sorry. Yeah. That was weird. So, wait, you moved from Orlando, Florida? Yeah, so I moved to Orlando mm -hmm. when I was, um, when I was, like, 20, about to be 21, and it's, like, even though it's still Florida, it's, like, especially when I did move, because, like, I had grown up around, like, primarily white people, and, like, Rent's not cheap in the white neighborhood, so I ended up moving into the hood, and like that was just a different, yeah, experience. I kind of liked it though. Like, mm -hmm. it was good. Was it the grace area? No. Did it help when I started having sex? Absolutely. But, like, but yeah, yeah, and getting to like um, getting to hear different people's experiences in life helped like granted i was open-minded to begin with like but once you hear people's stories it's like oh yeah now i can like yeah. i i will say i never could totally see but it's like anyone who's like says oh black people haven't had it harder in this country at all it's like yeah like i think it was also really difficult for for a lot of people to like have to experience their childhood being like a queer person on top of also being like a minority as well too. Right. Like also, you know, be growing up as with first generation immigrant, um, uh, economic status, not that great. Um, also being gay. Like I remember so much of the good times from my childhood. But recently, like, I started to dive deep into, like, my personal, like, a lot of traumas that I've, like, blocked up, like, when I was growing up, when I was in school. Like, there'll be a lot of moments, like, where I'd get bullied and picked on. Um, I'd get called 
almost any kind of um, gay word in the book. And um, on top of like going to like Catholic school and like Sunday school and stuff, like religion wise, it was definitely insane. Like growing up, um, being seven and just coming out to like, you know, like my mom and like my church, like I be told I would burn in hell for being gay kind of definitely sets the stage for what I do now. Um, but yeah, like there was just a lot of, a lot of pain too. But oh. yeah, but I'm still really fucking grateful about it all, you know? That's crazy. You said you came out at seven years old? Yeah, yeah, I came out at seven. Um, I came out at seven, right in front of the Asian supermarket, in the car with my mom, and it was just like a really intense situation. But also, a part of me never really kind of came out. I was chaotic, and my parents, like, I never learned how to clear browser history. <laughs> none so, of us did. None of us did. <laughs> none of us did. But they were just, they always put it to the side, you know? Whenever I had like girlfriends, you know, my, my girls out Kiki within school, like they'd always ask if I was dating them and I'll be like, um, no, <laughs> but yeah, like... yeah, it was, it was a tense upbringing. Like I can, I feel like it was intense, but also it definitely made me who I am. Right. So I wouldn't change anything. Like, I wouldn't change how, like, bullies would throw rocks at me. I wouldn't change how they would throw me in dumpsters. Like, that wouldn't change how um, I was chased home with kunai knives by fucking, <laughs> by fucking, um, yeah. That's, that's also another part of where I grew up in is that, like, yeah, we all look the same, but still... I think the world just wanted to showcase how different I was and how how much I deserved to be treated differently. And because they were kids, they just took it, you know, they didn't realize the power that they had as well as I did. So, yeah. Well, I will say this. I had a chaotic coming out. So this is the thing. It's like crazy to think back. It's like, that's just a difference in like ages between you and I, because I'm like four years older than you. Mm -hmm. So like when I came out, I came out at 18 and it was like having a super religious upbringing. I was raised Catholic. Whoa. And as I always say, family was not the problem. I had it easy. I had it quote unquote easy because I um, came out four months after my mom died so i only had to tell my dad mm -hmm. it made it a little bit easier on me and then like i had an older sister the person i shouldn't have come out to which i did was the youth minister of the church mm -hmm. i told him about this performance idea i had with like a knife and how i had practiced it like practice stabbing myself and like i'm a theatric person like clearly to this day obviously like theatric is could fucking be and like after I said that, he left the room. He came back in about 10 minutes later. He said, you have one of two options. Either you're coming with me 
or I'm calling the cops. Oh, no. And in my naive mind, I thought going with him was the smart idea. Now, in retrospect, I would have let him call the cops because he took me to get a psyche valve and I passed it. But he lied to make it seem like I was lying. And as a result, I got locked in a mental institution for 64 hours. Damn. See, that's what I was so scared of, like, when I came to coming out to, like, my church. Like, I never came out. I just stopped going. <laughs> I stopped going. Because um, I would always, like, going to, like, the schooling system, they'd always, like, make you read books. And then right. every, like, week, they'd just tell you how, like, they'd put a lot of, like, vibes out. Like in the classroom, that was like about marriage and how it should be with a man and a woman. And like in my little boy head, I didn't really conceive the fact of, you know, being gay. Um, right. Also, didn't really realize these the words until like the world placed it on me, which is kind of funny. Um, but they would like insinuate like with their with the way that they would talk to any other student versus me being like one of the only gay like being probably the only outwardly queer presenting people in my school in the school um yeah but like i wasn't even i was still developing identity <laughs> like <laughs> that's the horrible part you know it's like you're just being purely yourself and they just want to place all these labels these identities and these words on top of us and it's just like they just want to make their lives have sense in it, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. It's because, in truth, they don't get it. And it's like, I would like to say, in some ways, it's better for your generation than it is for mine. Because, like, at the time, just the language that people use, like, gay and, like, well, gay meant, like, something sucked. Like, yeah. it's like, that's gay. And it's like, it was getting past that point of, like, being like, no, that's offensive. Calling a um, transgender person the T-word is offensive. Mm -hmm. Sorry we have to tell you this, but yeah. Fortunately, you have to learn. And, like, there's so many people who don't want to change with the times. Mm -hmm. And I had to explain it. I had to explain this to somebody who was, like, very sort of closed-minded that was around your age who, like, they said the T-word in front of me. I'm like, I'm like, what did you just say? Yeah. And they're like, no. And I'm like, but they're like, that's the porn. I'm like, listen, that's a whole nother issue. What language they use in porn. Like, we ain't going to be able to change that. But I can change you. Or I can at least, well, that sounds forceful. I can at least attempt to change you by bringing you some knowledge. Yeah. 
I'm sorry that you did that to you. Yeah. Thank you. But it's like. I do shit. I mean, there are times. I, I will say this. I accept it from certain people of certain ages. So it's like. I will educate you, but like. If you're like. 40 plus, I get where your like line of thinking comes from. But if you're under the age of 25, no, I gotta put that, I gotta stop you now because it's like clearly you haven't learned anything. I also think that, like, although I'm not certain like how old you are, there, although there is a generational difference, yeah, I think there's so many different types of problems that like so many people experience like depending depending on generation because right yeah there's just a lot of um there's also the use of social media okay well you just go back a second you kind of cut out oh there's like the use of like in the problems of generations like there's also now the issue or like the the disease of social media coming into play like this level of like of connection that like everyone has and also this level of loneliness everyone also has too yeah like, it it's i mean there's also solutions too i guess it's because in some point as you say with social media it's like people want to like um, constantly want to be obsessed with social media, but in some ways that's affecting them being able to hold conversations with people. Oh, uh, yeah. Because it, if your only interaction is with somebody on a, on a screen and, like, you're just texting somebody, you're not really having social development skills. Yeah. It's, um... It's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, granted, I have I always say you have to take the good with the bad. The good is I'm able to do because of social media and because of the advent of technology, I'm able to do this podcast and not be exactly in the same area as a person. Do I love that? No, I would rather be doing interviews with people in person. But I say that's gonna come with time and convincing someone to take a shot on me and give me money. Respect. Bars. So what made you get interested in fire stunts? Um, so what I do fire dancing um, originated in Polynesian cultures. Uh, growing up, I would go to the um, Pacific Islander festivals and I'd see like the fire dancers there and like the hula dancers and all of that beautiful like all that beautiful spirit there. Um I never thought being, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like going to those festivals yearly, I would ever be someone that would like do something like that. Until when I went in high school I started doing color guard. Um, so it was like, you know, the flag twirling, the right. twirling doing all that beautiful, um, that beautiful flow 
of art. Um, when I graduated, um, I went on this Tinder date with a guy um, and I took him to like an underground rave in this city. Um, and yeah, I saw fire dancers for the first time. I saw, yeah, I saw Americanized, um, uh, Americanized yeah. art form of this like thing that I was, was around growing up, you know? So right. it was really, it felt like a home run because I saw them and I was like, I could do that. I know I can do that. Cause I've had prior experience in like doing like dance and movement arts and stuff prior. So when I saw that, when I was like 18 or 19, like I was like, I'm going to go do it too. So then I like the universe has just like brought in so many like people around me that like told me about ocean beach and how there's like a flow jam every every Wednesday where there's like people that flow um, that do fire dancing, fire arts. And that's where it started. I mean, I've been going almost every week Wednesday for the last six years. Um, oh, wow. And uh, now I am part of the administrative group that helps with running the jams, continuing the jams and um, holding that space for, for all people. It was the most inclusive like community. I, I am grateful to have like, put my hands into that and be part of it. It's so like, obviously it's just fascinating to look at. Granted, it's not something I would ever try because like, I would say I like the idea of fire. I would want to do it as like a performer because I will say as a drag queen, we're going to get into this in a minute. I have like a different experience because like I'm a musician. So like my start mm -hmm. in drag is very different, but it's like in terms of fire, it's like, I have no problem with fire. I don't want to be the one in charge of it. Yeah. If wrong, I'll be able to blame it on somebody else and it not be my fault. It's, it can be one of, it is probably one of the most dangerous acts you can really go for i think like what you're doing is like you're taking something that has destroyed families that has destroyed homes that has destroyed forests that has destroyed nature like so many things have been hurt by it um but also so many things are needed to live because of it too right so you know, every time I like fire dance or I like take part of that practice of like working with fire, that level of respect needs to be needs to be acknowledged for it. Um, yeah, it's it can be very empowering for people. I feel like I've also helped a lot of people um, heal from trauma that they've had, like some people that have come to the fire jams, they would tell me about like their experience where they've lost their house when they were young to a, a house fire and like helping them like with hiding a prop for the first time and seeing them overcome it. It's really, really amazing. Yeah. So I, what I, was it like for you? Huh? What was it like for you the first time you performed? Um, 
I I remember saying, and I wrote it down in my notes when I was like, like, like eighteen. It was like I took a piece of the sun and I danced with it. It felt. It felt right. Yeah. So we'll have to say, yeah. As I said, my crazy thing, again, being a live musician, it's like, unlike most queer people who started out in queer spaces, I started performing at open mic nights and straight bars. Mm -hmm. Doing drag and everything. And I have to say, it's a little nerve-wracking. Yeah. It's but, intimidating, because you step into that space with your uniqueness and it's, yeah. But continue, sorry. But no, you're good. It's also, I kind of loved it. Because, like, mm -hmm. as I said, I had mixed reactions the whole time I performed at that bar. Because I was doing original music as well. And I make electronic music. So it was like. That's beautiful. It was just, it's so awesome. Because it's like, you're the act that sticks out. Because you had, I usually would, like, open the show at every week and like they would there would be acoustic act after acoustic act after acoustic act and it's like being able to like bring that bring that fire at the beginning and then like knowing that everything's gonna die down once you're done yeah was great as i said the owners the owners were cool with me the only time there was one time I had, like, the week before, like, I had ended one of my songs and I had screamed motherfucker into the microphone. Mm -hmm. And then the week following, I got told by the owners not to do that. And I'm like, I'm not going to repeat myself, please. I, because I am, I am to this day, I do not like, if I, especially if I'm performing weekly somewhere, I do not like doing the same set twice in a row. Yeah. Because you have people who come to see you every week and it's like you don't want them to hear the exact same thing over and over again. Because even you probably... Sorry, Rob. Yeah, I, I definitely experienced the way that you've, you are articulating everything there. Like, I feel being like one... I felt like one of the most loneliest artists in the city for a while actually because i was i felt like i was the only gay person like that was like fire dancing for about like four years like visibly queer outwardly queer flamboyant or flamboyant like it was really intimidating being around all this like this surfer energy this like bro energy too and a lot of like masculinity masculine energies that like are also part of the craft like right. of dancing like you let these like people that are that have a lot of creativity but also they don't have a lot of like internal personal work and it can be very like very challenging um i don't know how i survived that <laughs> like how it like shifted so drastically over the years into something so positive. But I do know, and I do really believe it could be from my presence, from being part of it, from like participating in the conversation with my queerness. Right. I don't know how many weeks I've gone out fire dancing and nothing but a thong and some Birkenstock. 
dogs, but that was me. Um, I I don't know how many times I've almost risked my life in a thong and Birkenstocks. Yeah, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> um, but it was great because like the amount of people that felt that could see and receive that like that energy of like myself, like not giving a fuck and just having fun. It right. was like. Yeah, it was liberating for me and many people. Like I spun by my, I would, you know, you dance by yourself, but you're also dancing for all the people around you. You're also dancing for like so many other things. You represent so much when you, with any table you come into being a queer person, like. Right. And it's also in some ways you want to do things different because you want to be like, even if, you're in something more masculine, you kind of want to, like, ride the line. Yeah. Because it sets you apart. Sort of. You just want to be yourself. Like, that version of myself would maybe be me in, in a camo long skirt and, like, dancing to um, Everessence. Um, so, like, yeah. We ride the line. But then we also make the lines too. I kind of love that. It's like, I would say, the only people around here that I know that work with um, fire clearly don't do like nearly half as much as you do. Because like, I see people work with fire just a little bit, and it's like, oh my god, that's so impressive. And then I saw you, and I'm like, fuck, like that's amazing. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of practice and work. It was during COVID. I think everything rebirthed itself. Like I had a few years under my belt fire dancing, but then when I moved back to San Diego, when I used to live in West Hollywood during an era, um, I really had nothing else to do but like be outside and flow. And then like I was with my friends that would flow too. So it just like kept on elevating. We had so much time on our hands. Like we had so much time to just get better and get stronger. Right. So if it wasn't for COVID, as much as a tragedy it was, because it really was a tragedy, it also created such a renaissance for so many different people. Yeah, exactly. Like I would say this COVID, because of COVID, that's how this podcast was like originated because it was like 2021 so it was like the year after and basically it was just me being like i do not have the energy or the time to be constantly driving back and forth from west palm beach every week once a week to just perform for a few hours and then come home because i would I would be driving down, but then I'd have to be back home by, like, one in the morning, because, like, I had to be up to be to work at 6.30 the next morning, so it's like, I'm like, this is not conducive at all. <laughs> yeah. But I'm so grateful for it, and, like, when I started, like, taking the risk to interview people, because that started, actually, at the beginning of this year, because it's just, like, I basically said, like, fuck it. I've told all my stories. I need to start interviewing people and, like, get their stories. 
and like get to know people. Yeah. And it helps you too. Yeah. You know, it helps you with like being present and listening. Definitely. So, well, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So, has anything ever gone wrong when you were performing? And if so, what happened? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think everything has gone wrong. Like anything you thought of, think of, like in the idea of what could go wrong, I've probably either seen it, heard it, or I've done it. Um, it's, yeah, uh, anything from like, you know, burning yourself, getting cool, gnarly scars, um, burning your hair. But I've been very grateful that I've like have this amount of experience that I've had to where nothing was nothing was nothing could have put me into a place of fear or nothing could put me in a place of panic. And I think that's gonna continue going for as long as I fire dance. Um right. if the universe allows it. Um but yeah, like it's it's like work, you know, it's like part of the, it's part of the hustle, you know, if you do play with fire, you should expect to get burned. Um, to some point it's hot. It's not fake. Right. You know, you do, you can get hurt. You can get scarred. You can't hurt someone. And that's the worst part is hurting someone. Um, if you aren't careful enough, I used to hold, um, fire safety uh, workshops and seminars and we would have um, a whole group of us taking um, uh, insurance classes like on through FAI it's called fire arts Institute it's basically about like education on um, how to uh, do this sport do this craft with um, safety in mind and it would go over things from like what kind of material you should wear when you fire dance what is safe to fire dance in? Um, how should you do um, this practice, like in terms of um, putting fuel on your props to performing with props and like having like the safety precautions um, in place? I would hold it a lot during the summertime. Um, and it was a really good experience. But yeah, I think it's not about what goes wrong, it's how can we prevent things from going wrong now? Right. Like, that's where my mentality is at because I've gone to this point where I started creating my own fire dancing props. Um, and I started creating my own fire dancing gear and just experimenting with the energy of fire. Um, so it's definitely taught me so much on how to navigate, uh, heat. Um, and yeah, it's like you're a scientist too. It's pretty fun. Yeah. And it, I don't know, it's so weird that I asked that question because I feel like in any form of entertainment, shit's going to go wrong. Yeah. There have been plenty of time where I've been up performing and I've literally just like, you're so in the moment and all of a sudden you get to a verse and you're like, what's the next line? Like, uh. but then you just have to like make shit up and like, I feel that I have, I have this memory of like, 
probably one of the only times I ever did anything wrong at a paid performance was yeah. during Halloween. And I have an ex that was, that I believed was like a was stalker of mine for a few years, um, showed up coincidentally. And it like got me so in, like out of focus that I like burned my hair in front of the yeah. crowd. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I was like, I was slaying, I was being so cunty. Yeah. <laughs> but now I know from getting that wrong, I should put water in my fucking hair every time I do fire dancing. So I don't burn my hair. So that's the truth. <laughs> wow, I didn't even think about that. That's a good it's point. like any fear you have, there is like, there could be a, there's usually a very simple solution to many things. Um, it just takes the time of just practicing. Yeah. I construct some crazy shit just to like prevent the most simplest shit, like just getting your hair on fire and yeah. water is the best fire retardant ever. <laughs> Probably the worst thing that's happened to me. So it was like I was done performing and like I was literally trying to walk off stage and like I wear sunglasses every time I perform and like the whole entire like bottom of the bar and the stage was black. Yeah. So I was like walking. I did like step one, step two. I missed the third step. So mm -hmm. then all of a sudden I like landed forward and I like landed on my knee. Luckily I was wearing pants so I didn't like injure myself, but I did break my shoe and I still finished the night because punk. That's called being professional. Yeah. <laughs> I know as I say, those were the days of pants. And I'm like now I'm just so glad, especially being in Florida. I dress half naked in drag and I have no problem with it. Like most days, it's like 85, 95 degrees outside. I'm like, if you're wearing like a ton of stuff when you're performing, you sweat like crazy. Actually, you probably know this dealing with fire. You sweat like crazy when you perform. Like, mm -hmm. it gets hot. Yeah. I feel that. Which I will say, like, yes, wearing no clothes is probably dangerous, but like, it also mm -hmm. probably makes it like more enjoyable for you instead of like you getting out and like you're just like dripping sweat everywhere. Yeah, but also it can be very like scary for a lot of people. Like you can scar yourself for life, like by yeah. being naked doing it. Um, but it's you know no other pitch wood, so I gotta do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I want to do it. It's fun. I mean, like, I think the hottest men in the world are like male hula dancers. I, um, and they're just so sexy that the ones that like fire dance and like they're just like with their knives and they're just like fucking huge spinning fire. And I'm like, I want my Polynesian prince. <laughs> yeah. Because that's also like a cultural thing, too. Because, like, yeah, absolutely. It is absolutely culture, and that culture, mm, um, PIFA Festival. <laughs> <laughs> the 
that's yeah i love it but it's cool you know there's nothing you put on your body to make it like prevent fire from like hurting you or anything but there is a lot of remedies for scars like if you do get scars or like you get hurt and stuff like you know the way you take care of injury is like probably the best thing you can do but yeah i've done it to the point where like i don't really get many scars or anyone i fire dance with or i teach like none of them get hurt like none of them have ever gotten in any like pain or um issue with like fire so i'm really grateful that i've like taught really like talented people naturally and yeah yeah, and it's like even you said you've been doing it since you're what, eighteen. Mm -hmm. It's like eventually you just get to a point where it's like, over the years you just like even if you started out like maybe you started injuring yourself, with and like getting scars early on. Now that you've done it for so long, you kind of, it's not like you'll like ever a hundred percent like make sure you can never get a scar, but you kind of know what you're doing to like yeah prevent them as much as possible absolutely i mean i also think like my friends we we all got cool anime scars like we got cool anime main character scars like it's pretty fun i mean yeah it's it they add great stories you know like when people ask like oh how'd you get like how'd you get this oh it's because like i do this craft and this is probably something that happens from it sometimes. They teach you. They're teachers, though, too. Right. Yeah. So, what was it like for you coming out as non-binary? Well, I think it was, like, I never really came out as non-binary. It was just, like, me existing as myself. And when the right. questions posed itself, I would be like, I feel very special when you call me a they them i feel very special when you call me a they them and um you can use any you can use any pronoun on me you know i i i think um my identity being mahu like has been very like correlated to be non-binary so it's like it's been really positive um but also sometimes extremely challenging with the spaces I'm in. Cause I am in quite like, I do see a lot of stuff being in like masculine dominated, um, male dominated spaces, like for fire dancing. And right. like, um, feeling, feeling sometimes like a certain way where it's like, I feel like I'm like the only representation of this art form. Well, not like that anymore, but in the past, that's how it feel like. Like for the first four years, it'd be very um, intense, you know? But now it's like, it's a very open and accepting space. We now have like a lot of queer people that fire dance now. I'm like, oh, right. what a breath of fresh air. I am. Give, I feel like a fire mother. Like I am mothering these little fire, like these fire dancers. And it's such a privilege to like, to set the stage for them and be there for them and support them in any way I can. Like they're, yeah. Um, I realized, um, yeah, you just make, you make, you make the change you want. 
Right. And it's also, in some ways, actually, no, I'm going to rephrase it. It depends on what part of the country you're in, but it's like, it's more accepting to be queer. Yeah. As I said, that all comes with like, what part of the country you're in, and if you're in a city or not. Because there are still parts of the country where in the year 2023 I as I said, I still can't believe this. I thought when I came out in 2012 that it was like it, we were just going to like keep on progressing forward and we did and all of a sudden so we started deep, started regressing yeah it's like okay well fuck it's never yeah i don't think it's ever going to be acceptable by everybody to be queer yeah i mean and it's yeah it's sad it's i realize like the cultural narrative is a lot like a pendulum like things that swing one way there's also that greatness that swings the other way too and it seems like a pattern that i've started to realize over the years that like although there's was a lot of like we reminisce and have nostalgia for so much like positive things um it also distracts us from like the amazing things that we see now the changes we see now. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating. Right. So what's your dating life been like? Uh, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's also painful too. <laughs> um, I think it's great. I, I, I think also it's only so new for me. Um, I just got out of a relationship about a month ago. Um, and uh, going back into the dating field is like really nice, actually. Yeah, I get the amount of beautiful men out there that are just so like kind to me and that are so like open and yeah. I used to want to date people that were older than me, but now I realize I need to date people the same age as me. <laughs> Cause it's like, I want, I, I find relatability really attractive now, you know? Um, yeah, still single. I'm, I'm getting through all my blockages and my traumas hit me up. <laughs> totally. It's, I've never heard somebody say that before because it's like, I mean, I get it that dating people your own age probably is a good idea. But I also feel like there's like pros and cons to dating somebody who's like older than you and somebody who's younger than you. Yeah. I'm like building my data. Like, I looked at, I think through my breakup, 
like a month ago, I started looking at every person I'd ever dated. And it is like a beautiful, a beautiful narrative of me chasing the polarity of my previous partner. Um, so it's, uh, I'm excited to see who's the next person that's going to come into my life or the next person I'm going to chase down with a fire sword and say, you're mine now. <laughs> but yeah, work. Um, the, it's nice. Like, I think um, dating someone that's older than you definitely teaches you a lot. Um, but also, like, I, I've been dating people that are, like, over 30 when I was, like, 21. I got a, I, I'm, I'm chilling. I'm chilling now. I got my, I'm 24 now. Let me, let me, let me date people and get into, like, into, uh, yeah, into this. I love my love life. I really do. I like. Well, I'm now at the point where, like, I don't want a relationship. Like, when I want, when I feel like I need one again, I think it will be easy for me to, like, get back into it. So it's like, I haven't dated somebody since 2017. And that's literally just because. So I had two relationships in that year. I had one that started in 2016. So it's like I dated somebody for a year. Mm -hmm. And then when they broke up to, with me, they literally left and we were living together and they left a note with a key in the door, basically saying like, I'm transitioning. Well, it's like, I know you won't accept me for who I am. No. Which she wasn't wrong about because the thing was I was very naive. I didn't know much about trans people because again, I feel like all the stuff that like was available to your your generation wasn't available to mine. So it's like we just had to like learn stuff from like living and like yeah. Um, when I was coming out, like people weren't mentioning stuff about trans people. Like it was just—I don't even think I heard the word trans until I was like in my like early twenties. Mm -hmm. And it's like so that ended, and then I immediately got into a relationship with somebody right after them. Which was stupid. Um, I will say this. This is going to be me being the wise old bitch. Older than you. Don't ever do that. Do what? Get in a relationship immediately after breaking up with somebody? No. No uh, point. No. no, I mean, I got broken up with this time around. It's like yeah. my first time ever getting down. I'm relishing in the feeling of it, though. But, like... If it were to happen, um, I'm letting it happen. But right. this time, I'm like gonna really focus on the relationship with myself and my right. and that, like what makes me unique and special. Um, and I have now like realized, wow, I really 
Deadpool, some amazing, beautiful people in my life. I am only go and I am only going to get more of what I deserve, which is better things, better partners for me. Um, I love love. I haven't loved another person for like three years until I got in this one. And it lasted like nine months and it was beautiful and painful. So like I've learned a lot from it. Um, I don't really miss them. I did miss what we had, which was right. like, which is a nice thing to go through. Um, and, you know, I, I'm always open to like accepting things that are positive. And if it is a relationship, if it is another partner, I, I will do it with, with, with the most gentlest, like version of myself I can be, you know? So, yeah, I, I love to, I love to be in, like connections of people i think right yeah i wasn't as vulnerable i would never got to be able to be as vulnerable as i am if it wasn't for that relationship um and he taught me that it's okay to be vulnerable to share so like it's it's amazing now you know i want to just share more i want to receive more um but yeah but dating in the city ain't good it's hard. <laughs> like, being an artist that's openly queer, that's very outspoken, um, that does what I do. Like, I feel like I'm very intimidating to the dating scene. I feel like I'm a little bit scary to some gay guys because I do work with some stuff that is very, you know, life-threatening if it's untamed. Um but I just want to date someone that's like on my frequency. Right. Russian. Like I want to date an artist so bad. I need to date an artist. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> please. I was the person who like, I for the longest time said I would never date an artist. And I feel like now it's more, it's like, why wouldn't you want to date an artist? They're going to understand you more. Cause like, yeah, the accountant's not gonna understand my version of like. So why do you want to like get and drag and get people to pay attention to you? It's like because I felt ignored my whole life, and I yeah, that that's why most people get into into entertainment because they felt so ignored that they need people to pay attention to them. <laughs> that part. Preach. Yeah. And like, I will say, I am open to. The thing was, so I have dated primarily black men. And it's like, that relationship I was in for a month was with a white guy. Mm -hmm. And as he was breaking up with me, he literally said, I'm not going to say the word, but he said, All you ever want is that N word dick. Oi. And I'm like, and I'm like, baby, I wanted to be like, you ain't wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> you don't want to say that to and somebody. What? 
and Wyatt. <laughs> and it's like you're jealous because the guy, the guys I'm getting. Well, in truth, this is the thing because we were in an open relationship, and the guys I was having sex with were more attractive than him. Um. So, but it's like you're the one who wanted this like open relationship. Yeah. If you didn't want this, and well, we had put we had put parameters, but he broke them. So like, yeah, he wanted he was he originally said when we do stuff, we only do stuff together, and I'm like, I'm fine with that. But then all of a sudden, I go to work one day and I found out that he got sucked off by two guys in my apartment. And I'm like, so clearly, baby, if you ain't paying attention to the rules, neither am I. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I my the breakup I'm going through is also like was from an open relationship too, and it really just brings up a lot of different like parts of yourself to expand like the level of capacity that you have for another person for another partner. And how much you realize, like, oh, shit, there's a lot that I need to work on. I think maybe in the, my next partnership, it won't be as open as I let it out to be in the beginning. I think when trust is established, yeah, that's when, like, the, that type of freedom and openness for those connections may fester. But I just want to date someone that's obsessed with me and devoted to me. That... <laughs> I want to be feeling like, like I am, you know, like I am an artist and I deserve to be adored. I want to be adored for what I love. And I want to love them. And I'll treat them so good. (laughs) I'll build whatever they want. I'll make whatever they want. What you want. (laughs) Right. And I also, I also feel like for the right person, you're not going to want an open relationship. You're only going to want to be with that person truth because like all your simping energy is on that and i just want someone that has all their simping energy for me yeah (laughs) and i'm like but but it was because like my thing of like open relationships and why i probably did them is because i lost my virginity later than most people so most people it's like between like they're like i get lost at 14 I lost it at 15, 16. I didn't lose my virginity until I was like 22. So, like. I feel that. Like, I lost mine at 18. Yeah. So. And it's like, in some points, it's like. I just wanted to, like, get out and explore everything. I am now at the point where, like. Random hookups for me. And you, you maybe got like four more years before you get to this realization. They ain't cute. Hmm. Like, I want a man who knows how to like work me. Yeah. It's like, I don't got to say anything. You already know what I'm into. Let's just like bang it out. I see. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, I just like good dick. <laughs> I'm like I just want someone that like I'm attracted to and I I'm pretty selective with who I like let into my body, who I let touch me, who I let hold me just from like my, my own personal experiences um throughout my life. Uh it's I I hear you. 
and I feel yeah. it. I I just want to have good good quality things like people because I'm a good quality man, you know. Yeah. Kind of let that set in. And it's like my thing now is since I don't want a relationship, but I as I said again, don't want to sleep with the whole world. I have a friends with benefits. That seems to be working out because it's like. It's like we're like doing stuff together, but we know it's never going to turn into a relationship. Mainly yeah. because we have two different goals. So they're originally from California. They want to stay in Florida. As I said, lived here my whole life. I want to get the fuck out of Florida. Just saying. Yeah. I need to see the world, live somewhere else, and like. I agree. So, what's your relationship to drugs and alcohol? Um, well, I do them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just I'm, a solid answer. I'm, I do. I'm 24. What's expected? Um, I do drink. I love drinking. I love going out. I love to have a good time. Uh, I'm not as sloppy as I was when I was younger because I worked as a because I work as a go go too, and I also right. sell shots, and I also bar back for a time. So like being part of that industry taught me so much about how to be how to hold yourself better in those spaces, how to talk to people in those spaces, um, and also realize like how kind of gross a lot of people can be um when when they're all like intoxicated um but i still go back anyways because it's fun and it's glamorous and men are hot and they're there sometimes so i want to go there <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so smoking yeah I smoke all the things sometimes not the weed because all it does is make me want to shut up and make art for like eight hours straight. Um, and so that's nice. But I can't do it around people because all it do is make me go home. <laughs> but I won't say no if someone passes me a puff. Um, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, like drugs, probably. Yeah. Yes. Yes to them. Um, <laughs> But it's like intentionally, you know, like I think I have like an intentional mindset. So it's like, why am I doing it? Am I wanting to connect more with like the space, the art, the people? Right. Um, have I drank enough water to be able to do anything well enough, like to have a good time? Am I have I nourished enough for me to do what I want to do? Like settings important. But I've been really wanting to go to a circuit party lately and just, like, really just goon out and just, like, get in it. But, like, yeah, I'm in my explorative era, I'd say. Right. Which, again, you're 24. That's when you should explore. I'm excited to act my age for once. <laughs> the older you get, The more you've learned what's not. So I will say this. I've never 
done drugs, but I know I don't have a addictive personality because. Okay, so like, with that, I'll get to alcohol in a second. So it's like, so I have um bone spurs in the heels of both of my feet. Oh what? Okay, so what bone spurs are? It's basically like whenever you're like standing or walking too long, mm-hmm. if not treated, what you'll do is you'll get like this like like stabbing pain in the heels of your feet. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not they're better now, now that I don't work a job where I'm on my feet, but like before I had health insurance, I used to take ibuprofen like crazy. I was taking 18 to 24 pills a day. Whoa. 18 yeah. to 24? Yeah. How's your liver? <laughs> it's good now. <laughs> good That's now that I stop. Yeah. <laughs> it was, that was one of those things where I had to step back and I'm like, but you're in so much pain that you don't care, but it's like, you have to step back once you get on health insurance. You're like, okay, this is not kosher. It's not gonna be good for me in the long term. Yeah. But sometimes like, like we just gotta survive through that day. Yeah. And if it meant eighteen to twenty-four ibuprofens, like to survive that day, you gotta go do it, you know. <laughs> I I respect that. Like there's well, a lot I'm gonna of put, that happen. I'm yeah. gonna put this out there for everybody, don't do that. Yeah, you really shouldn't. Not that yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah, take then, like a multivitamin, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. And then in terms of alcohol, so I used to drink when I perform. I don't now because there was a night where people were just buying me drink after drink after drink after drink. And like, and then I got in my car. Yeah. And I had to drive an hour home. Oh, fuck. No. And I almost made it. No, nothing bad happened. I almost yeah. made it, but then I got pulled over by a cop when I was, like, one town over from my yeah. hometown. And oh, luckily, I didn't get a DUI because my dad picked me up. But otherwise, I would have. But that taught me, I'm like, okay. Yeah. This cannot happen. Yeah. But, but like, now that I'm older, I don't know. It's just, I am very simple. Like, I, I do two drinks max, and then I'm like, I'm done. I don't need to be drinking. Yeah. For when it comes, for me, when it comes to fire dancing, um, I have a strict, like, no drinking policy. I can't, like, what the fuck? It's like you're giving a drunk person a gun when you fire. If you right. <laughs> but, um, I mean, the most I'll probably do is probably, like, pre-workout. Do we call that a drug? I'll, I'll dry scoop it and flow for a really long time. And it's really nice. Um, yeah. I probably, when I go out, I probably only have, like, one or two drinks and that's yeah. about it that's all i really need with this asian glow fuck um but yeah 
true. Like, there's so many accidents that can happen when you are doing circus and you are inebriated. You know, there's so many things that I've heard stories of and like experience from people like getting hurt or hurting others while they're doing stuff under the influence. And it's extremely scary um, to, to witness. Um, but yeah, you were, you work in this, in the fire industry long enough to realize like what, how the way people navigate doing uh, drinking and drugs, like it's going to really set the tone on like the way they are um, for their craft. Yeah. And like the thing that you're saying, it's like a good point. It's like, I could not imagine like basically seeing somebody do like a line of coke and then like all of a sudden they're now on a stage performing with fire. I'm like that's some rock star shit. But that's so fucked up. They should never do that. No, cuz it's like I would see I would see that and I'd be like I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it'd be like that. You know, there are people that do weird stuff all the time. Um, but although people do these things, how you react to it really will, is really what makes it, you know? Right. I just want to prioritize peace and safety. So, yeah. And anyone who wants to go see your shows would probably be grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. But if it's burlesque, you know, I'm down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if it's like non fire, like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. It's time. <laughs> it's fine, though. Well, do you ever combine fire with burlesque? Absolutely. Yeah. But like, I do certain acts where I don't do any fire. So, yeah. When it's like those nights where I am solely just doing burlesque without fire. It's like, it's an entirely different type of experience, I'd say. Because it's like, it kind of pushed me. Because for a time, I would always wonder, is my worthiness only based on this niche product for people? Like, am I only, like, am I only, do people only give me attention only because I'm wielding, like, a mass profit destruction? Um <clears throat> And I got my answer over the last two years. And the answer is, it is going to be what you make of it. There's right. always going to be, like, there, whatever you do, there's always going to be the recognition it deserves to anything you do eventually. Um, I have, and this, I realize I am, um, I am an artist, even without the craft of fire. Right. When I, I've always been an artist since I was like born. Um, so regardless whether or not there is like fire, you know, I'm, it is going to be lit. So yeah. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that. It's like keep people on their toes. There was like mm -hmm. one time. So it's like, I was competing in this competition and like, obviously I'm a singer. I love it, but I know it can also rap. So like mm -hmm. in this competition, I did the song team by Iggy Azalea and somebody's like, Oh my God, I didn't know you could rap. I'm like, yeah, 
I constantly want to keep you. I want to keep. I constantly want to keep you on your toes, baby. I don't want yes. you to know what I'm doing next. You want to keep evolving. Like I learned to DJ this year, and it's been really nice for me in my experiences of like music. Um, I think like the way we are as creative people, if you're not constantly pushing the other realms of art that you desire you're only going to recede in all the things you have like life is constant growth constant learning and if you're not consistently learning something new you're going to get tired of what you're doing now so like you always want to reinvent yourself yeah it's so true because you don't want to get like bored because that's Again, going back to the whole like set list thing, it's like there's some people who literally know how to do one song, two songs, three songs. That's all they could do is the same three songs over and over. It's like, and it shows. Yeah. And it's like, but how is that like, that's not showing you growing at all. That's literally me, you just staying in stagnation. Yeah. And we can judge that sometimes, like, they are in a place where they need to creatively stand still. Sometimes that is what they can only do for the next like six months, years, even like everyone's just on their own different like paths for like their creative growth. And like, I think every stage, whether it's movement or stagnation, it just, it should be honored and respected. Just right. Sometimes, you know, they might be going through some really fucked shit and they, they don't have that. They don't have the drive to keep pushing themselves for now. But, you know, when they finally do get to push themselves, because they always end up doing, because we are humans and we're strong, they have so much experience that they've collected over the stagnation time that when they get back into it, it's so powerful. Yeah, totally. So, okay, so I know we touched on it briefly, but we're going to go deeper. So what are your thoughts on how the LGBT community is being treated today? Um, I mean, good. <laughs> um, I'd say it's being treated. Um, it's what you make of it today, I guess. Right. You know, if you are in a mindset where the perspective is like really negative and really painful, it's because the world is by default a very painful world. It's nothing was designed for it to be good for us to begin with. So what we got to do as gay people, as queer people is that we have to make it good. Like, that's what drag is, is making it good. That's what art is, is making it good. Because the world by default is horrible. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, it's what you literally make of it. And that's why I love art, because it is that reflection of what you make out of this world. Yeah. And there's also... I had this discussion with somebody talking about... Um heterosexual people coming into queer spaces and in some ways it's like 
some people want us to be inclusive. Others feel like we shouldn't be inclusive. I'm kind of in the middle. Because it's like, yes, there are good sides of being inclusive, but the downside is a lot of times they feel entitled when they come into our spaces to do whatever the fuck they want. And it's like, and it's like, no, sis, you can do that outside of here. You can do whatever you want at your straight bar where they do whatever the fuck. They play the same, like, top 40 garbage, whatever. It's like, go do that at your bar. Mm -hmm. When you're in our space, learn to be respectful because... Sexual harassment is not cute. No. Like, anyone who thinks... Because I will say, this is the craziest enough. I did one time when I was performing in Orlando. I was, like, ready to go into the bar. Like, I was all in my mode. It's like, I'm about to go perform, work. And I had some guy, like, ride up on a bicycle and just, like, whip out his dick. Oh, no. And I'm like, and I'm like, go away. And he just sat there for like two minutes. And I'm like, eventually I turned back on my car and like started driving forward. And he went away. But it's like, I always say no time in place. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's like, yeah, I will hook up with you after I'm done performing. I'm not doing anything before. Because I spent too much time like painting this face to look as stunning as I am. No. Yeah. I I feel that. I feel like the integration of like of heterosexuals to our spaces is. Is a factor that is going to be there regardless of like my opinion. I think sometimes I do get more recognition and more praise from straight men than I do from gay people, <laughs> um, which is really interesting to navigate. Actually, um, I get really pretty positive um, experiences from from straight men, but. When it's not in, like, the bar scene. This is me speaking on, like, festivals, you know? Right. But um, when it comes to, like, bar spaces, I fear that, you know, putting them at a place of, like, it's them and us is only going to be used to distract us from, like, what the main problem is, which is... In particular, the gentrification, like the ways of gentrification is happening to like certain spaces that we are existing in. Um, It's a response to the culture that we're finally in. And um, yeah, there's a lot of really fucked up people that go to bars. Also, a lot of gay people be fucked up too. So, you know, they also sexually harass others too. So it's really challenging to navigate and it's like 
the one thing that I don't get, and it's now that I know you're a go-go, this may or may not have happened to you. I'm assuming this has. Absolutely everything has happened. So you've had somebody stick a finger in your ass before? Um, yeah. Uh, there are people that done that. There are people that have taken really weird, non-consensual pictures of me. There are people there that have, like, you know, grabbed my dick. There are people there that have, like, um, tried to drug me. There are people there that have, you know, it's... The reality of the matter isn't, like, about the space. It's just about the people in the space. Right. Like, you know, it's, sometimes it's from mature men, like, from grown-ass men, you know, that, like, that will use... This is how it was, like, in my era, where it was okay to do this. And it's just, like... I don't give a fuck about how old someone is. If you're a shit person, yeah. just being a shit person. And right. yeah. But I'll still do it. It was fun. There's still good times too. <laughs> yeah. But now I know how to approach these situations with a lot more with a lot more action. Which, I will say this. A, don't do it, but B, if you ever see me at an event that Shimmer's performing at, and you do that, and I see you, I will call you out on it. And I will cuss you the fuck out. Oh, thanks. You don't need to do that. I breathe fire. I'm scary enough now. I'm, <laughs> I'm powerful enough. I feel like because I am associated with like this art form, it definitely has created a protective bubble now for me around like bad energy. Yeah. Because I think I like scare like people that with the fact that I'm not I'm willing to go I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to go scary. Yeah. For for my art. Well what's not to say I'm not willing to go scary over you. Right. Um but yeah. I feel like if I was in a horror movie, I'd probably be the final girl. Um, so, yeah. It's just me. Like, I, I'm a cancer, so, like, I am mad loyal. So, like, I am that person who's, like, if you fuck with somebody I'm, like, friendly with or, like, I'm friends with, you are going to hear from me. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's um it's a really good thing when you can stand up for your friends when you're strong and like able yeah. to. I do the same too, but yeah. I don't, no one really does that to me anymore. This is like stuff from like when I was twenty one, twenty two. So Yeah, it's probably because in the when you're first starting out, it's probably like Yeah, when you're a twink when you're when you're a baby boy, when you're a baby faced little twink with like nothing but naivety in your system, it definitely sets the stage for a lot of really bad people. <laughs> um, but you learn from it. Right. 
As I say, I've never really had anybody fuck with me other than that and like the time where I was sexually assaulted in drag, but like that was the moment where like when I like go through that story with people sometimes like literally what happened was I was just like leaving I think I was leaving a gas station after I performed and like this guy just like walked up to my car and he was like and all of a sudden he opened the door and I'm like what he opened like the passenger drawer I'm like what are you doing and he was like mumbling and then he just like got in my car and I'm like um And some people want to be like, well, why didn't you kick him out? I'm like, listen. I do not know if this motherfucker has a knife or a gun. Wow. I'm thinking about my own safety. (coughs) Yeah. And then I drove him home. And, like, as I was driving him home, he just decided to, like, whip out his dick. Um... And it was, like, ashy and disgusting. I was, like, I'm thinking, whatever you want to happen isn't going to happen. And then, like, I was at a stoplight. And then, like, the next thing I know, he, like, reached his hand over the center console and just, like, grabbed my crotch. And I'm, like... Then eventually, he would not get out of my car. And what I think... What I ended up having to do was, like, I had a soda that I bought, and he's like, I'll take your soda to get out of your car. I'm like, okay. It's like, granted, as I said, it's two bucks I wasted, but it's better than whatever I was about to walk into. Yeah. Sorry that happened. As I said, as you know from being stuff, the shit makes you stronger. Like, Anything you have to go through makes you stronger. And, like, I would never let that happen again. And, like, the thing I do now is literally a man might hate me, but I've, like, so I keep my car keys separate from my house keys. I would, my house keys I, like, keep in my, like, ashtray of my car. And it's, like, I literally open it up now, take my keys, stab them in the nuts. Yeah. I'd be like, you're not going to fuck with me. I keep a machete in my driver's seat. So I feel you. I will go corn charts, you know. <laughs> it's because you don't want to be violent, but it's like sometimes you have to be because people don't understand. You gotta be. People just want to take and like hurt you. Like, if this was a fucking nice world, which it ain't, sometimes, like, it really ain't. It's what you make of it. It's, um, you just gotta, you gotta fucking be able to defend yourself. Like, there's so many really sweet people that have, like, lost themselves over someone else's actions. And, like, although the situation happened, they're still in that pain. Right. So it's like, I'm not gonna take chances anymore with people that, like, threaten my safety. That threatened my peace. Yeah. And it's like... 
as I want to say, you want to be Zen, Gandhi, peace, like living through life, but sometimes you just can't be. Yeah, you just can't. So you just gotta. I'll be sending Gandhi, but I will hold a. I will hold a knife. I'll be like, you know, like you know, Super Smash Bros. I'm like the villager, like, but like in real life. Work. <laughs> Work. So. To my final question, what's the biggest misconception about me? Okay. Um, I think like people have this conception of me that I have a plan on where I'm going. But the plan is just to follow what feels good to me. So it's really like I really have no plan. It's just like following with like what feels right at the time although my plans are like within the next five plus years in the making for something really freaking cool it is the fact that you know what i do is could be predictable on what i'll what i'm doing i guess i don't really know what other people think of me so it's kind of like <laughs> that's um, lucky that's lucky yeah my my focus guards are on right now creatively i don't really listen to like what other people have to say i just do what i want to do when i want to do it i got the courage to prove it <laughs> i do know what other people think of me which is why i can easily answer this question yeah a lot of people i have people who have said that they think i'm shady I'm not a shady person. I'm blunt and honest. Mm -hmm. Which a lot of people don't like because it's like my thing is if you want the truth I'm going to tell you the fucking truth. Mm -hmm. And even if if you don't want the truth, well, I shouldn't say that. This is probably why I could never live in LA because I am the person who's like if you hand me your album to listen to, and I hear it, and you're garbage, I'm going to tell you you're fucking garbage. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you you're, like, the best. You're going to be the best new rapper in the game if you can't spit. I'm going to be like, don't quit your day job, bitch. I love that. Yeah. But as I said, why I would never be able to live because... Well, okay. I would say this. You said you've lived in LA before, right? Yeah, I used to live in Leo for about a year before COVID. It was all part of my like previous job. Like Before fire dancing, I was a makeup artist for red carpet. Right. Um, I was a makeup artist for about three years working on like the red carpets for a makeup brand. Um, But yeah, I lived there. And then I like, it's really hard to pursue what I do creatively in that city because there is so much, um, there's so many hurdles you have to go through in terms of getting resources and permits and permission. That makes it an extreme challenge for circus fire arts to thrive. that's why I love San Diego because there you don't need the permits, that you don't need to 
you don't need all that um, city like approval or to right. ask for permission all the time. So that's why like I personally like the scene here because I can do what I want to do. Um, and yeah, consistently. So that I think that's why I like San Diego so much and I don't really want to live anywhere else is because the access to the accessibility for my art is like a lot easier to do. And I lived in other places too, like besides West Hollywood. I've been in the Castro, I lived there. Um, and it's difficult too. So yeah. So I am so I'm gonna ask you this. Are people as fake as I perceive them to be in Los Angeles? I mean there's a lot of personas. There's a lot of like people who like, you know, put a front, but there's also a lot of authentic people too. So like, it's kind of a hit and miss because there's a lot of people that don't even, that never really lived in California that move to LA. And there is this like, there's an LA culture that you see on TV that a lot of yes. those people tend to emulate. And like, when you're there, it's a lot of that, like, a lot of that emulation of that culture. And it's like not the true authentic vibe. A lot of the friends that I have that like live in LA are like born there, that like grew up there. Yeah. Um, so it's like a, it's like a whole culture thing. Like, maybe it's fake but maybe it's just them being cordial you know sometimes like what they need to do to survive the night or survive the instance and it's not at you or anyone else it's just that they just need to put up like that persona you know right um but i don't really participate in like that those types of conversations with people like yeah, I'd kind of just rather talk about the next prop I'm building or the next film I'm producing or like the next concept I'm doing. So because, yeah. because you're an artist who actually creates, it's why. Yeah, it's the argument where I made to somebody where it's like some people who are like extremely extroverted and social, it's like. I don't want to talk to people about meaningless bullshit. Yeah. I want to talk to artists because I want to hear what your ideas are. Yeah. And, like, give you some of my ideas, like, great ideas. Because, like, when artists talk about their, like, visions, they have, like, this, like, spark and, like, this light that shows in them. And you can just see them, like, beaming. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. I love art. I do too. Anyway, with that being said, it's a pleasure getting to meet you. Thank you. It was a pleasure to talk to you too. Thank you. And. With that being said, this is Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and I hope 
you've enjoyed. Thanks.